I am super pumped about some special episodes that I am going to start recording. Several months ago, I interviewed John Mayer. John is the beach volleyball coach at Loyola Marymount. And I could tell right away that John and I were of kindred spirits. We both love to learn and uh, John was, is super easy to talk to. And so what we would do over the course of the last several months is we'd hop on a Zoom call about once a month just to share what we were learning. And so in October, I had the idea, why don't I record these and make them a podcast? So here we are, the special podcast titled, What Are You Learning? I think one of the most powerful questions you can ask somebody is that, what are you learning? And then follow up that question with, tell me more about it. So that is the foundation of the special podcast. What are you learning? And tell me more about it. So I want to welcome you to episode one with myself and John Mayer. I hope you enjoy. John, man, what are you learning? What what are you working on? What's got your attention these days? Yeah, I'd say I've been consumed and obsessed with uh, kind of a different approach to coaching and uh, the, the like theoretical scientific name would be the ecological approach, but really like, as I tried to kind of understand it in my head, it's what's the role of the coach. And I'm talking about more in terms of skill acquisition and, and in practice. And, you know, is the coach supposed to be the provider of the solutions? Are they giving players answers on how to move, uh, where to step, how to step, um, you know, how to respond to ta- tactics, all these things. Or is the coach the provider of problems? Um, you know, giving the, the, the player, here's an appropriate challenge, and then allowing them to explore and look at different ways to solve it and not being told the answer on how to move or how to step. And the, the second part, the, the uh, provider of problems as a coach is what I've been trying to implement. Um, and that's the more ecological approach is the, the scientific uh, term for it. So yeah, that's that's kind of what I've been diving into and wrap my head around it. And I, uh, for me, it's been a transition. I don't think I, I don't think I was completely like one or the other. Like I wasn't completely like a joystick coach, given the player uh, nonstop feedback. Um, but I, I, I did prescribe a lot. I did give a lot of answers, and and I did um, tell my players how I wanted them to move and where to look and things like that. And now I've tried to switch into this. Uh, more, I'm going to provide a challenge, and uh, I'm going to give them the opportunities. That the word the scientists would use would be to self-organize and and try to figure out um, their solution. So yeah, that's kind of what I've been diving into, and and uh, it's kept me up at night thinking, uh, re- questioning what I was doing, and trying to figure out how I can do this right, and uh, going back and forth through it. But it's been fun to to be just eager to learn and eager to uh, get better at coaching. So if what you're working on is the ecological approach. Is that what you said? Yeah. What's the right. other, what, what do you call the other? Um, it would be more like an informational processing. That'd yeah. be like the, um, yeah. So it'd be considered maybe more of a traditional approach. Um, yeah. Where, yeah. Where the coach has all the answers, right? The coach kind of knows the right way uh, for players to move. They have ideal fundamentals in their head. Um um, yeah, much more prescriptive in the feedback. Uh, most, yeah. So they're, they're kind of, uh, they're the one that, that kind of drives how learning occurs versus this more, the other way, I think it's a little more player led. Uh, the player drives the learning, the, the coach creates the environment, 
for the player to step into, but um, then they, then the coach maybe steps off a little bit. Yeah. So give me, I'm curious, give me an example of what a echo, what, yeah. What would that, what would that look like? The ecological approach? Give me an example of that. Yeah. So um, probably could do it best uh, in volleyball. Yeah. <laughs> but I, sure. I think, I think um, hopefully people could transfer it to uh, other sports. So let's see the first one that came to mind, and this is a pretty simple one and I can go more in depth, but um, uh, ser- serving a ball in volleyball, there's a lot of value in hitting it pretty flat, like just over the net. So if you hit it like barely over the net, it gives the passer less time to pass the ball, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a skill we want to develop. And the way I used to teach it in a more yeah, informational processing way, I would um, I would tell the athlete, all right, you've got to hit the center of the ball with the palm of your hand. Um, you've got to load your, your shoulder straight back, you know, so we get a little bit of this torque. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there'd be lots of cues, right? Lots of keys that I would give. And and when they didn't do it, no, it looked like you hit the side of your hand. You got to hit this, you know, hit the heel of your hand. It looked like you hit the bottom of the ball. So, you know, it kind of, we'd work our way through it. Um, and, and, and to go back a step, like you can learn this way. Like, I'm not saying this is, you know, there, there's benefits to this. So sure. um, I don't want to come off as judgmental, um, but I think there might be my, um, what I'm learning, I think there's maybe even a better way. Mm-hmm. And so, so the other approach, the more ecological approach would be to set up an, a constraint in the environment. So what I've done is I'll put up uh, a rope that goes across the net. So say um, we have these antennas that go at the end line. So from antenna to antenna, there's a rope. And I'd say, all right, as you know, servers, you get two points if you hit it under the rope. And we'd put it pretty low, so it's pretty tough to put it under. Uh, and if you hit it over the rope, um, you, know, you, you, uh, you can only win if you win the point or whatever, you win the rally. So then, uh, yeah, it's, it's just kind of observing and, and letting them try to self-organize again and try to figure out how to hit it under that rope in, in their own way. And, and it doesn't mean I'm like hands folded or arms, arms crossed in the, in the corner, just, you know, good luck. I think I, I did that when I first read this research, I did that a little too much. Um, uh, you know, I'd still kind of step in here and try to guide their focus. You know, what, do you, what are you focused on there? Or, or that one went under the rope, you know. Um, what, what were you trying to, you know, what was your focus there? So still definitely involved and caring and supportive, but really trying to avoid, uh, giving answers, you know, do it this way, do that. So have you had a point where let's just use that example. They keep, they can't serve it between the rope and the net and it's, it's going on and on and on. And all of a sudden <laughs> they're drowning, they're needing help. They're yeah. looking because that's quote unquote, what the coach does is to tell them what to do. Yeah. Have you yeah. had that example where you've had to maybe step in and, and through some guided discussions, basically do the traditional approach? Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think it's, uh, and that's brutal. Like you care so much about your athletes and you want to see them succeed mm-hmm. and it's really hard to be patient, right? We, we want to win today. We want to be great today. Um, so I think first that goes into like the paradox of learning, um, you know, that you can have reps in practice where you see someone improve and you can have reps where they're very comfortable. Uh, so, but uh, those reps oftentimes don't lead to long-term learning because a lot of times, you know, obviously in a game, you don't have a coach telling you how to serve it. And um, sometimes some of those drills are very controlled and um, uh, maybe overly simplistic. So I guess that that's one thing is to realize that there is this paradox that seeing learning in the moment doesn't mean that's going to transfer to the match. So yeah. I think th- 
thinking that way, you know, long-term growth, let's see what's going to actually, you know, allowing them to work through this, that's probably going to have a better chance of, you know, when we play our match uh, next week or next month to transfer. The other thing, um, there's something, another scientific thing that they're called differential learning. So instead of, um, basically the idea is to explore all the areas around the, the goal. So, you know, before I would always just be like, yeah, you got to serve it flat. You got to do this over and over and repeat it. But this differential learning approach is more like, so if I saw when we had an athlete who was serving, like she had a really hard time um, hitting it flat. And um, so what I did is I said, all right, try to hit the bottom of the net on one. And she did that. So she felt what it felt like to get like way on top of the ball. All right, try to hit one way over the antenna. So she hits it super high. All right, now try to hit one uh, under. And then we kind of go through that cycle where she'd explore all the spaces around it. Hmm. And and that just gave her, yeah, maybe a new perspective, a new way to explore it. And um, the theory is, and I think there's some good science behind that differential learning that she'll, that'll help her, again, self-organize to a, um, a solution that that works. <laughs> I think there are, have been some coaches that I've heard talk about the external and internal cues. And that sounds like more of a external cue that you're giving them hit it low, hit it high. Now feel maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's one of the biggest benefits of this approach. And I, I'd, I'd love to do like another, what are we learning on, on external and internal, but just quickly, I know it's the most studied area in motor learning that external cues people are more accurate it's you know it's more beneficial but a lot of the the coaching i had done in the past it would lead to a more internal focus they would think about the way they loaded where their hand hit the ball hmm. and that's how they solved problems was by you know how do i have to move what do i have to do with my arm and i, I think to have really high level performance you know you're you're not going to do that like if you were to get in someone's mind when they were in you know the elusive flow state i don't think they're thinking about you know their right elbow so yeah giving them you know, as a coach, the cues are constantly external and getting them to think about the environment and how they can explore it. I think it leads to that, that more external focus. That's good. That's good. So basically you got to, you got to play the long game a little bit with your athletes. Cause it, cause the, the, the quick fix that internal might, might get them in that moment, in that practice drill. Yes, you've got it. But you're saying that long-term they might not have, have got it. They might just be able to repeat what you have said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe that one rep in this one moment because of your, you know, your language, they're able to do it. But yeah, uh, in the in the game when you're not able to talk them through how to do things, uh, that that might not, you know, you're just not creating the environment for them to do it. So so allowing them to discover it, that's where the benefit is. But yeah, yeah, I mean, this stuff this stuff goes deep, and I think it, it's fun to dive into. I mean, I don't want to take too much. We got to get into what you're learning. So fill me in. What are you learning? Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, obviously, I'm, I'm. Most of my thought process is not on the court or on the field because I'm not on the court or on the field. So I'm always thinking, probably on a, on a little bit different level than you guys. I hope I what I'm thinking about and processing and working on adds value to coaches. But uh, this idea of identity has just been popping up, both personally in my own life, but also just in other people that I'm working with. And this is what I am seeing. Uh, there was a guy by the name of Jamie Winship that probably four and a half years ago, I learned a lot of things from. And it's just stuck with me. And I've just been processing and working through it again, sometimes in, in some cases, personally to me, and then other with coaches I'm working with. But this identity, specifically a false identity, it's really interesting to, as I'm working with coaches, to ask them 
uh, to try to get in a intuitive slash flow state and just ask them, what are those, what are those false narratives that you think about yourself? Or what are those lies that you believe about yourself? And just write down kind of what comes to mind. I'll have kind of, you know, very flow, very just write what comes to mind. Don't, don't overanalyze it. And it's been um, both personally in my own life, but also in others, very startling on just some of the lies and some of the false narratives that we believe, oftentimes from a parent, a coach, a teacher, um, maybe some experience that created this. And a lot of things like unworthy and um, average and um, not enough and, you know, these sort of false narratives that started maybe when they were seven or maybe when they were 17 and a coach said something or a dad said something and you look up and you're 30 or 40 or 50. And it's like, man, that, that false narrative that kind of rattled in my head because, you know, my dad called me, told me, don't be an idiot. That, that when I'm 50 is not just a narrative. It's like an identity. Like I wrestle with, and it's not, oftentimes it's not like super overt or very, you know, top ahead. It's more, nuanced than that but as they think through it's like dang man these these false narratives really are present and they do shade how i think about things and at the end of the day um i think it hurts their leadership at times i know for me personally there's many times that i have seen these false narratives that that i have myself that will restrain me or put a lid on maybe what i'm capable of because i have these false narratives of uh travis you're just you're you're mediocre you're average and, um, and so coaches trying to grow, trying to, trying to get better. Um, and there's friction in them really growing and getting better. And that friction is false identities that just kind of hold them back. So that's what I've been wrestling with thinking about and, and talking a lot about to the coaches I'm working with. Yeah. I think for coaches listening, I think the first thing to really take from that is gosh, the power you can have of the story one of your athletes will tell the rest of their lives because of maybe, you know, something you've said to them. Um, so I think that's that's a great message to be aware of. But I guess then back to what you were getting into is like, how, how does one, you know, I've identified my false, um, you know, stories and how do I get out of it? How do I change it? Yeah. So one, I think the, the you know, the, the, the first step in healing is just recognizing that you have a problem. That's one. Yeah. And yeah. then two, I do think there is a journey that you need to go on. And, and I've been going on this on, okay, those are lies. Those are lies. Who says you're average? Who says you're mediocre? You know, and then I think there's a true identity that, that, that we all have. I think, um, you know, I'll bring up a Bible verse, whether they're of faith or not, that says we are uniquely made in our mother's womb. So regardless of kind of what you believe on faith, we are all very uniquely made. So figuring out who you are, and I think there's multiple sides to this, and it's a journey. It's not like a 15-minute conversation, and it's like, all right, I'm healthy. Let's roll. It's a journey of figuring out like the strengths, the wirings, the giftings, the kind of core beliefs. There's just, I think, a multitude of things wrapped up in this journey to try to figure out. Uh, once you figure out who you're not, once you once you recognize those lies, then who am I? And that becomes a journey. But I have I, I have seen this when when people will go on that journey and they start to grow more and more comfortable on who they are and how they're created. Uh, I'm not that coach. I'm not this coach. I can't compare with this coach. I am who I am. 
I see a lot of uh, fear subside. They, they start to coach fearlessly. They start to coach way more confidently and boldly. And I think they're unconflicted. There's just not that inner in, internal turmoil that they have. There's a freedom that I have seen coaches once they get it. But to answer your question, it's a journey of figuring out who you are, kind of the core of your being, what your, your, you know, your wirings and giftings, and, and at, again, at the core of your being, who you are. So then you go through that journey and you start to figure out who you are. Um, is, is there value then in maybe still finding like models like, oh, who's a coach who's kind of like that? Do I want to learn from them? Or, or is it like, I, you know, I got to be true to me. Like, I don't want to be, you know, taken off this path. Yeah, I, well, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of like learning from other people. I think then it's, it's like, then how does that apply to you? Like, how do you take, you know, okay, coach is listening. How do you take what John Mayer talked about when it comes to the ecological approach? How do you, how do you, how do you take that? How do you learn from John, but then yet lay that over your own wirings, your own giftings, your own personalities, your own temperament, your own everything? That's where I think the sweet spot is. So if someone were to, let's say, spend a couple of days with you at practice and then go mimic, not just learning from the, the different ways to go about coaching, but also to mimic how you, how you respond and your temperament and all that, dude, they're, they're going to, yeah, it's just, they will probably coach in a, in a more conflicted with way more fear because I'm not John and John's killing it over at Loyola and I'm. <laughs> My average, my athletes are right now are at, you know, all this stuff that, that we've all dealt with. So yes, learn from it, but making sure I think that, uh, you lay it over yourself and you, you walk that out, uh, very creatively how you would, you know, in your yeah. own personality and your own giftings. Yeah, no, that's huge. And then how do you, I guess, how do you know, or how do you make sure you stay on the path? Cause I'm sure there's a lot of traps and it'd be easy to fall back to the false ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially as a coach, you know, the feedback often isn't quite as inherent, you know, as, as we'd like. Totally. I think a couple things happen. Uh, the surface level, I think that the check engine light is going to be anxiety, worry, uh, comparison that creates angst, um, kind of that, that genre of things I think stir up. And so I think it's like a check engine light. And I actually think emotions can be really good for us because they are that check engine light. And then deep down, when you get to the core of it, I think a lot of it comes from, from fear, um, fear of failure, fear of whatever. So I think that's probably the best, uh, the bre- the best, you know, blinking light that says, Hey, something's wrong. Let, you're getting off track is probably those, those emotions like anxiety, fear, worry, angst, uh, maybe anger, you know, short-tempered, edgy, the, or maybe disengagement, depending on your personality. Maybe you just disengage and kind of go in a hole. Those sort of things are probably good indicators that, all right, something's off here. You're not walking in your true identity right now. So then, yeah, just curious what what you've discovered. What are your identities? And and I'm, I'm guessing you used a lot of this process, but yeah, how'd you discover it? Yeah. So again, just the, the flow of, all right, what is the false identities I believe? And I would have said at the time I did this, that I'm like, ah, you know, I was 43 at the time. I'm pretty comfortable in my own skin. I don't know if I'll have them. Well, I was somewhat startled. Uh, so the three that stirred up when I heard uh, or, or that I wrote down were mediocre, average, and can't finish. Well, when I look in the past, I'm like, no doubt I totally see where those came from. 
And mm. I even now am seeing how they have hindered me. And to this day, I have to be careful that I don't have a grid looking through what I'm doing with my consulting business or with parenting or marriage or whatever, that the grid is not your mediocre and your, your average. And so yeah. I, you know, to this day, I'm always trying to be aware of how that can shade, um, you know, something that happened 17, 18, 19 years ago that, that still will rear its ugly head and shade how I make decisions or how I lead. Yeah. So Yeah. I feel like there's value in, like even me just hearing you hear someone else's story and you're like, dude, that is the furthest thing from the truth. Like you are not like, you know, you are not mediocre or average. when I think of you, Travis. So well, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's helpful to hear those things. Cause it's like, man, why, why do we tell these stories? You know, we're, and yeah, so that, that's really cool to hear. And I think there's a lot of value in the process you went through and that you shared there. Yeah. Thanks, John. Good stuff. I hope, uh, I know, I know this is going to add value to coaches. I appreciate you hopping on and, uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Yeah, that's fun. Thanks for having me. Real quick before we finish here, a couple things. One, thank you so much for listening. I am grateful. If you would, uh, rate and review, uh, the coaching DNA podcast, I would be honored and grateful for that. Uh, the second thing, if you're interested in my consulting business, Uh, I work with coaches um, and try to help coaches win in all areas of life. Please go to kingdomcoachingtw.com, kingdomcoachingtw.com. Thanks and have a great day.